Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back in to the Lions Podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. In case you missed our last episode of the show, we had Nick Tarburton on, former Penn State defensive end, a starter for the last couple of years of his career. Came a long way from what was really a, a, an injury-related career for much of the way. He looked back at the process, the journey, uh, where it ended, and, and what's next on our most recent edition. So I know it's the offseason. Maybe the listeners are a little bit more sporadic in when they're tuning in, but wanted to make you aware of that conversation on the most recent ep- episode of the show. This time around, we are focused in on recruiting. We're going to continue our position-by-position series as we work our way through the 2024 uh, board for Penn State's recruiting aspirations. Last time we had Tyler Calvaruso on, uh, we had the uh, the linebacker position in the spotlight, always going to be in the spotlight at LBU, but so is running back. They're on quite a run right now at that position. We will focus in on that position a little bit later. We'll talk about the man who runs that room, Jaywan Sider, what he's been able to accomplish on the recruiting trail, and that certainly extends beyond the running back position. And also, March visits beginning to stack up as prospects around the country starting to schedule for the next period of campus visits. Let's get into all that and more right now with our buddy Tyler Calvaruzzo, who does a great job covering all things recruiting at lines247.com. What's going on, Tyler? Not much, man. Good to be back talking ball. Right as we were setting up our, our format for this episode, uh, Brian Doan comes through with the crystal ball. When that happens, we pay attention. Um, and it goes into the direction of a player we discussed last week. We went in-depth on our Thursday episode last week with Tyler about some of the top Pennsylvania prospects to know in the 2024 cycle when it comes to the Nittany Lions. One of those names resurfaces here with Brian Doan's crystal ball pick. Yeah, anytime Don comes through with the crystal ball pick, you know, it's a pretty big deal because, you know, you already know it's well-sourced, man. The man does his homework. So anytime he comes through with the pick, it's eye-opening. And Kenny Wolsey's been an eye-opener for a while now when it comes to Penn State's cornerback board and where he stands on it. Got back to campus for the junior day visit in January that we've discussed plenty by now. And Penn State really just hit a home run on that visit. Really rose to the top of his list coming out of that trip. And I think that has culminated in the Nittany Lions gaining some pretty serious momentum heading into the spring. And I remember when we first started talking about what was coming out of that visit. Obviously, he's been someone we've talked about plenty before that visit. But coming out of that visit specifically, the general feeling was that maybe there could be some movement in his recruitment in the spring. And I think we are indeed getting a little bit closer to that in regards to the potential for him to pop. So right now, Penn State sits in the best spot. You still can't discount Michigan, in my opinion. The Wolverines are still very much involved there. But you see the crystal ball, crystal ball pick go in. You see everything we've been talking about with Wolseley recently. And it's pretty clear where the two leaves are reading and the fact that Penn State has put itself in the best spot to secure a pledge at some point, as things stand right now. Yeah, this is a guy who has a bunch of offers. He put out a top 12. That's a lot of schools. Uh, before last season, it was Penn State, Texas A&M, Pittsburgh, Maryland, Syracuse, Wisconsin, Oregon, Michigan, Georgia, Rutgers, Michigan State, and Cincinnati. Did you get all that? Uh, and, and you throw on offers that came since the start of his junior season from the likes of, of high-level academic institutions like Stanford and Duke and Northwestern. You put together the prospect profile here on Kenneth Bosley. You like what you see, and then you throw in the fact that he attends – Imhotep Institute in Philadelphia, where you always want to be on the prowl if you're Penn State for the next rising prospect within that program. There's a lot to like about this potential addition. And I'm going to go back to last summer. You talked about that January visit, which we covered. How about that trip up to campus last Mm. year with his teammates and the performance he put on in front of not just us and and not just everyone uh, watching, but the golf carts that were filled with Penn State staff members last summer? 
during seven-on-seven seven action. We've discussed a lot about what some guys have done. That Irby at quarterback, what he was able to do in the seven-on-seven seven, uh, setting. We talked about uh, uh, Tysir Denmark, the wide receiver out of Philly, having a phenomenal performance. I would put Wosley's effort in coverage during that seven-on-seven seven tournament probably in the top five or six performances we saw last summer in that seven-on-seven seven setting, along with some of the other guys I just mentioned. Yeah, and I think that was kind of where the needle started to move between Penn State and Wolves. I think the staff saw a lot of really good traits out of him that day. And, you know, there's something to be said about going out in the camp setting and performing at a high level. We've seen that plenty of times. You know, we're talking about cornerbacks right now. Zion Tracy went out and got himself an offer pretty much with his camp performance in July. Wolsey doing it in a seven-on-seven setting where, you know, the competitive juices are flowing even more so, and the level of competition is maybe even a little bit higher than your normal camp setting. I would say that's a very big deal, and that was something that really heightened Penn State's interest. And we're talking about from June to now, where he's at now on the board, it's not really much of a surprise to me. Kid can play, man, and you also have the Imatech factor that you mentioned. There's been a desire to get back in there. You know, Penn State wants to recruit Philadelphia. There's a lot of talent in that area. That's something that everyone who follows the program knows. So going into Imitep and being able to potentially get a guy like Wosley, I'm not going to say it could open the floodgates, but it definitely helps for sure. I mean, because you get him on board, he'll be on the he'll be on the trail for you, and he'll be in the ear of a lot of his Imitep teammates. You know, Zafir Stewart, the offensive 2024 offensive lineman, is a guy Imitep Penn State likes. So that's another one. You know, you get Wosley, maybe you get him too, depending on how things play out and where he shakes on your board, and you know how where his level of interest lies. So just getting a player of that, not only that caliber, but potential trickle-down effect, it's a it's important for Penn State. That's the kind of those are the coops they want to pull off on the recruiting trail. And they put themselves in a pretty good spot to get this one going. Yeah, in the past at Imotep, we've seen Shaka Tony uh, emerge there. He's eventual all Big Ten performer for Penn State. You've got a second year player on this Nittany Lions roster and Keon Wiley, who was really a standout on the on the scout team last year. Uh, uh, he's going to be a, more of a factor at the linebacker spot uh, in 2023, also out of Imhotep. So there's the history there. There's a track record there. There's a couple different sources that Kenneth Wosley can reach into that go beyond the Penn State staff, and I think that's always helpful in the recruitment process. And you know, Brian's obviously put in his crystal ball. That's where he thinks things are trending just strictly from your perspective. Uh, the next question is always, well, what's the timeline look like on this? Because there's crystal balls that you've had in uh, since last fall that had not yeah. yet come to fruition. They very may, well may. What, do you, what is kind of the outlook here as Penn state looks to build this recruiting class right now, two guys on board, Anthony Specca in in-state linebacker, Cooper cousins in in-state offensive lineman. Maybe there's more in-state flair just a little bit down the road here. That's a great question because I don't think – while there's nothing necessarily concrete right now, the intel has kind of started, started to indicate that early spring potentially you – know, this is one that could really wrap up in the next maybe three weeks, maybe a month, maybe sooner. You know, Penn State has put itself in a position where Wolsey really doesn't have a whole lot more to think about. Everything has been laid out for him from Penn State's side, and – and we've touched on this plenty. The big thing with him with the last visit was getting to know more about Penn State and what it has to offer off the field. And that was the strongest part of his visit. So now you have the scheme fit that Wolsey has known about for a long time. You have the comfort level with the staff that has been in place for a long time. And now he has the comfort with the program off the field and how Penn State could potentially set him up for life after the football, after his career. So, like I said, nothing concrete, but the intel is starting to indicate that this is one that falls under the sooner rather than later category, I would say. And not only is Terry Smith, who, who is Penn State's cornerbacks coach and defensive recruiting cater, coordinator, not only is he in that you know role with Kenneth Wosley, he's also always a vocal point in the city of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And, and this is just one where you like how it's starting to stack up for Penn State in this recruitment. Uh, Wosley, by the way, a, a four-star in the composite. He is a high three-star by 24-7 sports current measurement. In both cases, he's a top 40 cornerback prospect, and 24-7 sports has him as the number seven overall talent in the state of Pennsylvania. Again, we broke down a lot of those Pennsylvania prospects on our last episode that we had Tyler Calvaruso on last Thursday. Uh, I just want to quickly note here, I know people think cornerback, they think perimeter. (laughs) Watching Mosley's film a little bit, seeing what we did in camp, 
I'm thinking maybe maybe in that slot. I mean, this is such a, a valued, valued role for Penn State's defense uh, and being able to handle that nickel position, being able to cover what we know is an increasingly dangerous position at the slot receiver year in, year out. It just seems to be more, more talent is gravitating that way at the high school level into the college level. And you need to counter that defensively. They've got uh, they've had a guy performing at a pretty high level there in Daquan Hardy recent years. Johnny Dixon can handle that role. Um, but I think moving forward, you want to be able to stack other names into that collection as candidates in 2024, 2025, 2026. Wosley getting my, ahead of myself a little bit. I think he can fall into that category and lend an element of versatility to your defensive back seven. 100% agree. And that is something that has been pitched to him as well because he likes playing on the outside as much as he likes lining up in the nickel and lining up in the slot and taking on those inside receivers. So that has been part of Penn State's pitch, that versatility, that schematic versatility where, hey, look, you can line up on the outside sometimes, you play inside sometimes. That's been important for Wolsey because you got to keep in mind too, these guys do want to get to the next level, right? You know, that's the ultimate goal. And having that versatility, being able to come into a situation where you're being presented with the opportunity to be a versatile piece in a secondary, where you can play on the outside, you can play on the inside, and you can put those reps on tape for those at the next level to see, that's important because while, yeah, it's been great that Penn State has been able to sell Wosley on the off-the-field stuff and how he would fit on the field, they also want to be able to sell that development aspect of it as well. And that's something they've been able to really, really do throughout the last couple of cycles. I think they've been able to accomplish that with Wosley, I would say. Let's transition into another priority Penn State target that we've discussed quite a bit here on the podcast. And he most recently caught up with Brian Doan once again for, for some coverage at Lions247.com and on the 24-7 Sports Network. Liam Andrews, another guy I would put in that category of one of the premier prospects we saw on Penn State turf last year for camp action. Uh, outside of the guys who were committed to this program and Cooper Cousins and the eventual 2023 signees, I would put him in that conversation as as a standard offensive lineman that we saw any at any point on the field last year uh, when Penn State had its high school prospect camps. The reflection of that is obvious in our rankings at 24-7 Sports. He's 162 overall. He's the number nine interior offensive lineman, the number two player in the state of Massachusetts with a 90 rating. And something interesting here is, as Brian Doan alluded to in his most recent article, there is a two-way, uh, I, I guess, aspect developing in this recruitment. We've seen it happen in the past with either a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman saying, "Hey, I, I think I could do both. I want to do. Or I want to play on on one side, or I want to play on the other side." Liam Andrews is kind of entering that conversation, which throws an interesting dynamic into this whole process. He is, and yeah, it, it's placed his recruitment in a pretty interesting spot. Right now, so the deal with Andrews is this: he's really deciding where exactly he wants to play at the next level. At this point, the projection with him has become he could be an equally effective player on either side of the offensive line, whether he's on the offensive line or the defensive line. You know, in talking to people, the general feeling is that yes, he is a four-star offensive lineman, but he also has the upside and the talent to be a four-star defensive lineman as well. So we're not talking about a guy who, you know, schools are starting to realize that, hey, look, maybe he's better on the defensive side of the ball. No, we're talking about a recruit at this point who's going to pick where he wants to play. That's the kind of upside that he has on both sides of the line. And I think kind of what we saw out of him at that camp speaks to that because when a player is able to go out and dominate in a camp setting like that, especially on the offensive line, that's not something we really see all that often. We see plenty of good camp performances, but to dominate at the level Andrews was dominating at the whiteout camp, that just speaks to the upside there. And he does have a nasty streak to his game. And that has helped make him a pretty intriguing defensive line prospect as well. So from a Penn state perspective right now, it seems like their focus is the offensive line. And you have to wonder if, you know, the door kind of opens up where, hey, look, we're going to take a look at you on the defensive line as well. But right now, Andrews, high on that Penn State offensive line board. He's high on Penn State as well. Really good relationship with Phil Troutway and the rest of the staff. There's a chance he doesn't make it back to campus in the spring. And I know that might be a little bit of a concern to people, so that's something I want to address. The deal with Andrews is he's been to Penn State so much at this point, he hasn't been able to check out a lot of the other schools high on his list. So this spring, that might be a priority for him. And if that's what he decides to do, it doesn't hurt Penn State's chances. All is well and good on that front. Well, I, I do think there's definitely still a chance he does make it back to campus if the stars align and his dates line up and he can get back. But if he doesn't come back in March or April, it's not really the end of the world because he's, he's easily an official visit candidate. And we're just going to have to keep an eye on his thought process beyond just the recruiting process, but what position is he going to play? That's going to be something that he's considering pretty much daily at this point. 
And you completely understand maybe him wanting to give other programs the opportunity to catch up to some of those others that are he's familiarized himself with, whether it's getting to campus. You know, he was coached by Phil Troutline in a camp setting. There's not a lot of offensive line coaches across college football that have had Liam Andrews in front of them for that kind of a duration. He was back in Beaver Stadium last November to watch them finish off their Big Ten schedule with a, an emphatic victory over Michigan State. So, you know, in Doan's story, mentioning schools like Miami, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, uh, we're talking about a New England prospect. It's not an easy trip to pretty much anywhere in yes. Power 5 football. Um, so, look, you'd understand if the exploration process, especially if it's going to involve uh, thoughts on both sides of the ball, why that would take some time, why that would maybe take him elsewhere. But you get the sense that it's going to circle back, and Penn State, at the very least, is going to have a chance to make a last pitch whenever he decides to line up a few schools and get down to the wire with this process. Yeah, when it comes down to Andrews and his recruitment, Penn State's really going to be there until the end. That's The foundation for that has pretty much been laid at this point, I would say. Just where the relationship is with Phil Trotwin, because I mean, Trotwin knows Andrews dating all the way back to when he was at Boston College. I know that's really yep. early in Andrews, in Andrews career. <laughs> it says a lot knows. about who Liam Andrews is as a prospect, yes, though, right? exactly. Yeah. He's been on the radar for a really long time. So these two have known each other, and that relationship has just continued to grow. So... Position-wise, it's not really going to matter when it comes to where Penn State stands. They're going to be a finalist. You know, that's the level of interest that he has in the program. So when it, when he when the time does come for him to set his official visit schedule, I would definitely anticipate Penn State to be among those five. All right, Wosley, Andrews, two names to become familiar with, to stay familiar with in the 2024 cycle. More coverage of both those guys at lines247.com. But let's get ahead of ourselves a little bit. We're still in February, but March visits are starting to get lined up by prospects across America. Uh, you know, it, it's always uh, such a it's it's a welcome thing for coaching staffs to not have to you know worry about coordinating stuff and have to worry about hosting prospects on campus and their families and being on in team facilities and getting to, to do things uh, you know focus internally on what you have already on campus but i know this staff ultimately is going to be itching to get guys back in town get to put their best foot forward for the spring ahead of those uh, official visits and make an impression but before we get to some of their established targets this is also going to be an important march for 2024 prospects trying to push their way onto the radar maybe they've had the camp invites from penn state maybe they've had the dialogue they've had a couple of coaches or staff members follow them on social media but to this point an offer hasn't materialized a conversation or an invitation to james franklin's office hasn't materialized march will be a chance for guys to make their move and you spoke with a couple of those that, that I wanted to highlight here, just to example, uh, just to give an example of what exactly is taking place. It's not all about Penn State pursuing its top targets. It's about a lot of prospects trying to present their case to Penn State as a viable option. Yeah, March and April are more about a lot more than schools going out and trying to close on the guys who are at the top of their board. There are a lot of guys who are coming to college campuses. And they're, they're essentially all for hunting. You know, they want to get on that Power 5 radar. They're trying to get their names out there. And, yeah, we've we've talked to plenty of those guys at this point, really. And you got an in-state defensive lineman, Cam Tremuro, and he plays in North Allegheny. He's going to be at Penn State in March, and he's going to start April at Maryland. So two Big Ten programs on his radar. Maryland has actually been out to see him at his school, so I would say Maryland's a little bit more advanced in its pursuit of Tremuro than Penn State. But he's been to campus. He was there for the home opener in uh, September against Ohio, took in the Auburn game from at home, raved about the Penn State defensive line performance after that one. So he's one that I would keep an eye on because, yes, there is a desire to beef up on the interior of the defensive line, and that is position Tremere plays. So anytime, let me just say, Tyler, you've got North Allegheny connections too within this oh, program. Yes, you've got yes. the Dinkins brothers here. One's a walk-on at yes. cornerback, Khalil Dinkins, a third-year tight end, and then Joey Porter Jr., probably going to be a first-round pick at North Allegheny by way of Penn State. Yeah, and, I, and I'm glad you brought that up. You completely slipped my mind because it is important, you know, at North Allegheny being a place that Penn State has recruited before. And, you know, you issue that spring invite. It's it's not an empty invitation. You know, you're not just getting anyone to campus in the spring. So Penn State, you know, there's definitely some been evaluating going on there. And then on the other side of the trenches, you have Andrew Dennis, who does have Power 5 offers, who's going to be coming to Penn State. He told, he told us he's going to be in town for actually a couple of days. So he's going to be taking in the spring practice, got the power five offers, really intriguing prospect. I would say, you know, he, I think he's hunting for those bigger P five offers and that starts with Penn state. And he's been in contact with the staff. He's talked to Phil Troutwin and it's interesting because he's from the Carolinas, 
And, you know, he's coming up here on his own dime when he could be staying close to home and maybe checking out schools that do have offers out to him. So I think that speaks to his level of interest in Penn State and how much he really wants that offer. And then in the secondary, one guy who I've had pretty frequent contact with, Makai Edwards from uh, Christ the King in Middle Village in Manhattan. He's going to be all over the place this spring, man. He doesn't have a Penn State offer. He's been to campus before. Loves, loves, loves Penn State. He's going to be at the likes of Georgia, Miami. He's going to be in Happy Valley. So a lot of guys who don't have offers are going to be in town. And while March and April, it's not camp season, they're still going to be, you know, they're going to be looking at the measurables. They're going to be looking at transcripts, things of that nature. So anytime that, yes, your focus is on the ones who have offers. You know, whenever recruits come to town, you are locked in on the guys who do have offers. But you need to keep an eye on guys like Tremura, Dennis, Edwards, who don't have offers because, look, June, July, August, September roll around. Maybe these are guys who are on your radar, depending on how they develop. Mm-hmm. Maybe these guys who are on your radar, depending on how your board shakes out. So it always goes beyond the offer sheets, man. We we got a great offer database on twenty four seven sports, but it goes beyond the it goes beyond the guys who are in that database too. Yeah, and sometimes those offer lists aren't as impressive as they look, and sometimes yes. they're more impressive than they look. But just focusing on what this phase means for Penn State right now, you're doing so much of your work with the 2024 class based off of junior season film. And let's all remember, these are evolving, growing young men, 16, 17 years old. You give them two, three months of time, four months of time to work on their to work on themselves or to not work on themselves. You might get a guy on campus in March that you're either pleasantly surprised by or negatively surprised by when you match up what you viewed on film from what he did in September, October, November. And then you start to be able to put together more of a personality profile because you've got them in your facility. You probably got mom or dad or both, maybe a sibling, maybe a friend, maybe a girlfriend. How do they react to them? How do they uh, react uh, to your staff? And, And you can kind of feel out some important things that go beyond just the, the measurables and the intangibles. And of course, you know, when a guy shows up and, and he's been telling you he's six foot five or his high school coach has been telling you he's six foot five and he's you know matching up to your coach who's six foot two, then that raises a whole different kind of question. And those are what you're able to accomplish on campus here in the coming weeks ahead of spring ball. Tyler, what do we got uh, in terms of, of, of looking at guys that have those offers, have locked in plans for March? Who stands out to you making that trip up to campus in the next few weeks? couple of guys really standing out in that regard. Before we do move on, I just want to correct myself. I said Andrew Dennis from the Carolina, from the Carolinas. He's from Michigan. Michigan. I, yeah. I don't know what was on my mind there, but yeah, he's from Michigan. Anyway, back to the offer, guys. Two recent players who confirmed their visit plans really standing out to me. The first of which is Nitro Tuggle, Midwest ride receiver. He's pretty much a Notre Dame country being from Indiana, but man, I mean, I remember Nitro Tuggle's name first popped up in the fall as a player of interest, just what he was doing as a junior. He caught around, I believe it was 38 passes for, it was over 900 yards. And then he scored <laughs> 22, 22 touchdowns. And, you know, I, I know people question, they see numbers like that, and they're like, what's the level of competition like? I don't care what level of competition you're playing if you're scoring 22 touchdowns. I've seen guys, elite guys, play against lower levels of competition. They don't score 22 touchdowns. It's not, who, it's not who you're playing. It's how you're playing. It's how exactly. you're playing. Very important and to the Tuggle, man, if you put on the tape, you can just tell he's got it. He's a playmaker, and that's what the Penn State staff has told him. You're a playmaker, and we want you here. And Penn State did a really good job offering early. I don't I don't even know if they necessarily offered early, but they got ahead of the curve. Uh, you know, a lot of high-level programs have offered Tuggle since the beginning of the winter. Penn State was kind of first to the punch. And that's a big deal because it has afforded him the opportunity to do a lot of research on Mike Hirschis' offense and just familiarize himself with the way Penn State plays. He feels like he's a fit in the scheme. That's a big deal. He's going to be on campus March 24th. And the other one, another pretty big riser, not in the rankings, but in terms of offer sheet, I'm sure he'll be a riser in the rankings at some point really soon once we get a ranking on him. Jameer Grimsley from Tampa Catholic in Florida, I mean – He's gone from a pretty small offer sheet to having Penn State, Bama. It's it's turned into a who's who of college football for the Florida native. Six foot three, 185 pounds, another versatile prospect, a lineup at wide receiver and in the secondary. Penn State's looking at him on the back end. Terry Smith's been doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. He's going to be at Penn State in the middle of March. Got a lot of other visits lined up for the spring with some big-time programs. Penn State really likes Grimsley, man. He's a name we probably haven't really talked about enough considering where he's at on the board. A lot of upside there. We're talking about 
the length of an outside cornerback. Yeah. He's got the fit beyond the length. I mean, he's already 185, so he's going to bulk up and just be more of a physical specimen at the position. And yes, there is the chance for him to play wide out at the next level too. You know, if that's the route that he decides that he wants to go, he's that good of a prospect where a lot of schools are kind of giving him that leniency and giving him the option to choose. Hey, look, we want you. And at the end of the day, we like you on both sides of the ball. So let us know what you want to do. And Grimsley has been pretty cool with Penn state pursuing him as a defensive back. And the other thing, when it comes to Penn State's pursuit of Grimsley is the academic aspect of it. And he made a point of it to tell me, look, man, I've had some really, really good grades throughout my high school career. I'm big on academics. I'm big on what comes after football. I'm, I'm big at giving myself a good degree. And as a high-level student, I want to put myself in a position where, yeah, I could thrive on the field and maybe I could go play on Sundays one day. But at the same time, if I graduate and ball's not in my future, I have a pretty comfortable degree to fall back on. And Grimsley has been pretty intrigued, he's told me, with Penn State's academic pedigree. So I would say that works in favor of the Nittany Lions here. Another one we'll be keeping a really close eye on. Looking forward to catching up with him after he gets to campus and gets, completes that visit because, I mean, we know how deep Florida is, and he's among the better prospects in the state. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Terry Smith, Anthony Poindexter, very much place value on that radius uh, of these defensive yes. backs. And, and Grimsley labeled that that athlete right now. If he does land the defensive backfield, he's going to definitely bring you that. As you said, he's got a busy march coming. It's not just Penn State. It's Florida State, Auburn, Duke, North Carolina on that travel itinerary. We'll see if he adds more. And then just quickly going back to Tuggle, Grimsley had himself a ridiculous, like bonkers uh, February where everyone was offering was pretty darn pretty darn good for Tuggle too. He had the reigning champs, uh, Georgia offer, Auburn offered, Wisconsin was the most recent offer for Tuggle. So to get a couple guys on campus who are clearly their trajectory is, if not already blown up, it's on the verge of blowing up, and they're going to have a who's who of options when it comes to spring travel and camp season. To get these guys with you now, you're trying to set up to get them in Beaver Stadium in the fall on an official visit, in my opinion. I, I know June and, and April are open, and and they don't love doing uh, you know the the game the game official visits because there's a little less opportunity for intimate yeah. interactions. But I think it's so impactful with some of these long distance targets to get them in Beaver Stadium on a fall Saturday. Uh, we'll see how it lines up, but but with Grimsley out of Florida and then with Tuggle at Indiana, Tuggle might be the the top wide receiver prospect to come out of Indiana since David Bell when it's all said and done, which yes. is saying a lot. He's that Bell good, was so man. special at Purdue. Um, all right, well, good run down there, and, and we've got some time for these lists to grow, and we'll have a lot of visitors to discuss throughout the month of March yes. when Penn State gets on the practice field. We have a ton to talk about in the month of March. Um, but let's go back to a couple things here. We talked about Florida recruiting. We're about to jump into some running back conversation with the 2024 running back board. Why don't we take a moment, because we haven't discussed it with you, Jaywan Sider, Big Ten Recruiter of the Year per 24-7 Sports Evaluation. Steve Wiltfong, Director of Recruiting with 24-7 Sports, was on with me a couple weeks ago, Tyler. We discussed it a little bit, but I know it was a topic that you wanted to take on a bit here because Sider doesn't just do it at running backs. He doesn't just do it in Florida, and it was an absolute home run in, during the 2023 cycle. Man, Penn State has got to be fortunate that he's stuck around and been on been such an integral part of the staff for as long as he is because man he's an elite coach and he's an elite recruiter gets it done in florida gets it done in virginia I and mean, he's just all over the place and not only is he an elite recruiter who just relates so well to players and you know forms really good relationships with their families and coaches now i mean people have taken such a strong notice of what he did with this freshman running back duo this past season 
And he's kind of in the national spotlight in that sense now. Because people look at Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, and they're like, whoa, who's coaching these guys up and getting them to perform at this level right off the bat? The answer is Jalen Sider. And it goes in every single running back recruit that I've spoken to so far this cycle talks about that development and how they want to be part of that room and have the chance to learn and develop under Sider's tutelage. So as good of a recruiter as he is, I think you got to give him his flowers as a developer too now. Yeah. Proof is in the pudding, man. I mean, Allen and Singleton going out and doing what they did as freshmen, it just speaks to the level of coach he is. So the honor was well-deserved, and I think he's really only going to keep getting better, which is kind of crazy because he just, you know, he's one of the best recruiters in the nation. But I think he's positioned himself really well, and we're going to get into these 2024 backs like you mentioned. Penn State's involved with a really high, a lot of high-level guys in the position, and that's not even really a luxury for Penn State at this point. It's, an, it's become an expectation that with Sider on the staff, we're going to be there with top running backs in the country. That's just how it is. As long as we have him around, as long as he's doing his thing and building those relationships as we've seen him build them throughout his career on the staff, they're going to be there with top guys. And there are plenty of really high-end talents that we're about to get into. Slater is 45 years old right now, and this is his sixth year with Penn State football. And you mentioned his ability as a developer. I've referenced this in the podcast before, but it, it really is pretty astounding because of the circumstances not a single freshman scholarship running back since he arrived has redshirted. They have all played. Uh, I would say Kevon Lee and Kazai Holmes weren't supposed to, but you lost Journey Brown. Noah King got hurt, and you had to play them. And it shaked out pretty well by the end of that season, considering. But the other guys have come in, and, and Jaywan Sider has made it a point to, to very much say, you're coming here, and you're going to earn the job. Uh, and, and he has lived up to that. And I think guys really respect that. I think uh, part of the reason why some fans have been surprised by veteran running backs sticking around the room longer than maybe we figured, do you think they bolt and maybe sprint to the transfer portal? Um, it's because they're buying into what Jaywan Slater yes. is selling to them on campus. And it's been tough. I mean, he is very much a father figure. Not every coach is that father figure. Some coaches are, are guys that you spend time with in the facilities and you kind of leave it at that. Jaywan Slater extends much for much further beyond that into a family scope. Um, but, you know, guys like Devin Ford, even Kaziah Holmes, you figured they might have been gone heading for the hills earlier. Kevon Lee probably falls in that category. Right now they're in an interesting spot uh, because of the, the lack of scholarship running backs. But two of the guys he recruited, Cam Wallace out of Georgia, who could be a, a, a real gem out of the state of Georgia when it's all said and done. And then Ludden Montgomery, who has a world of potential, and we're still waiting to see what it looks like coming off of a knee injury that cost him his senior year in high school. But let's make it very clear here, Tyler Calvaruso, that Jaywan Slater did so much beyond the running back room oh, in the yeah. 2023 cycle. You're talking about top 24-7 defensive talents that he was primary, primarily involved with. Uh, Tony, Tony Rojas, uh, Kavion Keys, the offensive lineman down in, in Virginia as well, and Alex Birchmeyer, Anthony Donko, uh, uh, Mega Barnwell, who came to campus as, as a raw, uh, you know, big, huge thing of clay, and we'll figure out what he turns into. Also, Jay Wan Sutter involved there, and and King Mack out of the state of Florida. You know, when there's going to be a Florida guy involved, there's probably going to be uh, Jay Wan Sutter involved there as well. So I, I probably missed a few, but just wanted to kind of say this is a, a wide scope. I know some people might think Sutter, oh, he's the Florida recruiting ace. Oh, he's the guy who's going to go get running backs. We're talking about offensive linemen, yes. linebackers, safeties from different regions. And you said Penn State was fortunate to have them. Here. I also think that they've been proactive in keeping oh, yeah. him here. Uh, James Franklin has discussed out loud several times during his time here about the need to prevent his coaching staff from making lateral moves. He wants guys leaving if they have a slam dunk promotion in front of them. And to this point, Jaywan Sider, based on what we have gathered, has been uh, a candidate for, for jobs across the country. In Florida, whenever there's a head coaching job or an offensive coordinator job these days, uh, it's at, at the group of five level, it seems like he is on that short list. But to this point, he's added some titles. You know, his son has played through this program, you know, went through the program for the last few years. And as Steve Wolfong said, they've made it a really good situation, an enticing situation. Whereas when he arrived in December of 2017 or January of 2018, whenever that was, you had to wonder if it was going to be a couple of years and maybe that's it. Here he is six years. Next year can make it seven. The year after that can make it eight. At this point, I'm not really putting a shelf life on Jay Wan Sider with Penn State because it seems to be working out very well for both parties. And oh, by the way, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen are sticking around through at least 2024. No, it's wise not to put a shelf life on it because 
I just think, like you said, you, I mean, you laid it pretty much all out. Penn State has made him so comfortable in so many ways where, and I think that's James Franklin deserves a lot of credit for that. Having the awareness to just understand the impact that Sider has and, you know, essentially realizing that he's kind of an irreplaceable presence on that staff and with what he's been able to accomplish as a coach and as a recruiter. So when you have an assistant at that level who's not even a coordinator getting that much done for you, you want to do whatever you can to keep him around. And that is exactly what Penn State has done with Cider. So, yeah, I don't think anything is ever, you know, really imminent with him leaving at this point. I, I think he's going to be here. And Penn State, has they deserve all the credit for making that happen. Because like you said, the opportunity to become coordinator, it is very, very, very intriguing for any coach. But everyone does have different priorities at the end of the day. And Penn State has set Cider up with a pretty great situation. And as long as he's in happy valley, man, Penn State's going to be recruiting at a high level. They're going to be recruiting at a high level at multiple positions with him on staff in his in his territories. And we've seen it cycle after cycle. And we're going to see it again in 2024. I know Penn State has the two Pennsylvania guys right now. They're involved with a lot of good guys in Florida, a lot of good guys in the Virginia area where Cider works as well. So you're going to see that come to fruition yet again. We'll jump into those running backs in just a moment. The last note I'll say on Cider, it's something I've heard about him for a while now. The man does not burn bridges, and that yeah. is – he builds bridges. I mean, he, when he recruits a player, whether it's a high school in Virginia, high school down in South Florida, high, you know, wherever it may be, he gets to know the guidance counselor. He gets to know the high school principal. He gets to know the football coach. He gets to know uh, mom and dad. He gets to know the aunt that, that shows up to every game. He really does recruit the supporting cast along with the, the prospect himself. And when I say – so that's the building bridges part, and then he avoids burning bridges. There are coaches out there – this may sound shocking, temperamental people in the coaching industry. Um, and sometimes they react impulsively to bad recruiting news or bad recruiting conversations. And it costs them in the long run to get back into a recruitment. And now I think more important than ever, two, three years down the line, maybe just one year down the line, the transfer portal. The guy that you really hit it off with during the recruitment process, maybe you were the second or third option at the end of the day when he put pen to paper. A year later, he didn't like that first option. If you're still there, you're still the same guy, you didn't burn that bridge like another coach might have, you could be in a really enviable situation when he's looking for his second college destination. So I'll just throw that out there because J1 Sider, it's a big part of who he is. He's a relationship builder and a relationship sustainer. Let's yes. talk about that running back room for him because they're always looking to add elite talent to it, especially we talk about the names that have gone through there. Uh, during recent years in Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, what Journey Brown could have been, and now what we have seen from the freshman duo in Singleton and Allen. Where do we start here? Last week we reviewed a bunch of linebackers to know from across the country. Why don't we stay in the state of Pennsylvania for the first running back? And it's a name that we seem to be referencing quite often, my friend. Got to start with Quentin Martin, man. Whenever you talk about running back recruiting, that's where the that's where the conversation has to start. I mean, you're really not doing it right if you're not starting there. And – you know, I've been thinking about different ways to describe Quentin Martin's recruitment because we've talked about it so much. There's, you know, there's only so many points you can make. So here, here are just the facts with Quentin Martin. Penn State has put itself in a good spot. Ohio State has put itself in a good spot. you got to factor in the NIL players as well. But as things stand right now, Penn State's in the thick of that recruitment. And when you're talking about a prospect of Martin's level, where he is nationally in the rankings, and just, you know, the magnitude of his recruitment on a national scale, you got to be happy with where you're at heading into the spring. The spring and summer, I think, are going to be pretty big for Martin. We're going to see where he gets to visit. We're going to see how exactly those pitches are formulated because we've talked about the NIL element a lot. So how do you lay that out for him when he is in town? Because it's going to be a big deal. But Penn State right now in a solid spot. And they're in the thick of it. And – I don't really know what else the staff could really ask for at this point in time. I think coming out of the spring and summer, they're going to want to be in an even better spot. And I think they have a real chance to get there because the relationship is good. And I know Anthony Speck is talking to Quentin Martin every single day, pretty much about joining him at Penn state. And while that might not seem like a big deal compared to some of the other factors involved in Martin's recruitment, it does help the Nittany Lions. Another name to get to in Big Ten territory as well. We'll take a trip up to Wisconsin. Uh, Corey Smith uh, recently caught up with Alan True of our 24-7 Sports Network. Talked about looking to commit after his senior season. So the timeline would seem to be set up to allow for an abundance of official visits and some exploration. He talked about visiting schools to the south like Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn. 
but also schools closer to home. And Penn State was among this. This is a high-profile player uh, from uh, a, an area of the country where guys often do not leave uh, and, and venture out of Big Ten territory. What do you make of Corey Smith at this stage? So it seems like he's going to be kind of an outlier in that sense. And there seems like there's a pretty good chance he does indeed wind up leaving the Midwest. He has a lot of options out of that region. And I think the timeline is a really important thing here from a Penn State perspective because he told Alan True that Penn State is indeed a school that he wants to get out and visit. And when you factor in that he's not really looking to announce until after his senior season, that gives him plenty of time to get to Happy Valley. Not only does it give him plenty of time to get there, you have the potential for maybe multiple trips, depending on how things play out. You can get them on campus for in the fall for a game they visit, like we've mentioned, and how important that is for some guys. So, you know, the he, he's a star at Catholic Memorial and one of the best players, really, probably to come out of Wisconsin in a while, in my opinion, if you watch the tape, at least offensively. You know, there have been a lot of good defensive players come out of Wisconsin as well, but offensively, this, this kid's the real deal out of the backfield. So it's easy to see why his offer sheet is loaded. It's easy to see why his spring is going to be loaded with high-end visits. And maybe Penn State doesn't receive one this spring, but they could easily get one in the summer. They could get one in the fall just given what his timeline is. And the most important thing to know is that he is indeed high on the board. So he's someone the staff is pushing to get on campus for sure. Quentin Martin, of course, a five-star recruit. Corey Smith in that four-star variety. Um, and, and oftentimes you see running back position, living in the state of Wisconsin, how does he end, not end up a Badger? But we just covered yep. a lot of why he might not end up a Badger. He is the uh, top 200 prospect in, in 24-7 sports assessment, the number 14 player at the running back position. Uh, let's move on down to Virginia, Salem High School, where Peyton Lewis, big, powerful running back, six foot one, pushing 200 pounds. He's in that territory of Virginia where you've got a lot of Power 5 flavor from different conferences. You know, truthfully, I think of all the running backs we're going to discuss here today, I think Peyton Lewis is the one I'm most excited to talk about, and here's why. So Penn State gets him on campus in January, and they get the offer out. This was another situation where they wanted to get that offer in person because they had been monitoring Peyton Lewis for a while, and I think a lot of other programs kind of fall under that same ilk where they've been watching Lewis, they've been doing a lot of evaluating, looking at that junior year tape, and, man, you look at that junior year tape, and you, don't, you don't even have to be a coach to figure out what's going on on that tape. He's the real deal out of Virginia. And he is a bigger back, really powerful runner. Impressive blend of size and speed, I would say. And now, really, his recruitment is getting to the point where it's big dog territory because Alabama's sniffing around. And this is something that Penn State and a lot of other of the schools that have gotten in early. I don't know. Again, I don't know if early is necessarily the right word when it comes to Lewis because his recruitment has been going on for a while. Now programs like Alabama are sniffing around, and those that have offered early, like Penn State, they're in a better spot. They have the advantage from a relationship perspective, how long that relationship has been forming, and we'd be remiss with Jaywan Sider. Again, this is a recruitment that he's going to be heavily, heavily involved in. So I didn't anticipate that he does get back to campus soon. Again, it might be a situation where he doesn't make it in the spring because he does have other programs that he wants to check out that he hasn't had to see. That being said – him being a regional guy, being in Virginia, definitely a good chance he makes it back. Another one who's really high on the board and kind of kind of has a skill set that maybe some of other Penn State's top 2024 running backs don't with that blend of size and speed. He's physical. He puts he runs through contact and he's quick in the open field. He makes defenders miss and he, he's got a second gear to him that allows him to get into the second level and break off some really home run runs. So a very intriguing prospect. One of my favorite really on the offensive side of the ball when it comes to Penn State's 2024 targets. I'm with you and, and evaluating Lewis. He seems like a guy to me we're talking about right now, right around 20 offers here at the end of February. Get him back on the camp circuit and get him among some peers and showing what he can do. I think he's maybe a guy who exits April in the 30 offer territory, mm -hmm. and you see some of the heavyweights enter that conversation. Um, of course, Penn State has cleaned up in Virginia over the years. We expect that to get even better with, with Marcus yeah. Hagens now on the staff. So a lot to like about Penn State's influence down in that state. Meanwhile, a school that Penn State has not had the success at, at in Baltimore, it's, it's at one of those blue chip factories, St. Francis Academy. We've seen guys visit. We see them you know, uh, come and participate in, in camps and stuff like that. Just hasn't come to fruition for Penn State. You've got a guy from that school listed here at running back. He's a three-star prospect, uh, right around 15 offers. Dewan Williams, the number 10 player in the state of Maryland. Yeah, we probably have some listeners rolling their eyes right now hearing that we're talking about, <laughs> hearing that we're talking about St. Francis Academy. They're like, why are you guys even bothering? But 
Williams is a little bit different. And, uh, you know, it's really not just Williams who's a little bit different. I feel like the tide is maybe turning a little bit when it comes to SFA. You've had guys like Mike Van Buren on campus multiple times, and Williams has been with him on a bunch of those visits. I mean, I understand what happened with Andre Roy, but, look, at the end of the day, I don't think Penn State's efforts at that Baltimore powerhouse are dead by any means, and I think you're starting to see that a little bit this cycle. So back to Williams specifically, another really impressive runner. You saw it on the national landscape this past fall, you know, St. Francis being in that national spotlight with a lot of ESPN games. A lot of people got to see him play, and he was really impressive. He was part of a backfield that included Darrell Robinson, who's off to Charlotte. He was committed to Boston College for a little bit, but he's a power five prospect who's playing down a level at the group five level. Williams was sharing the carriage with him, and he was just as as impactful, if not more impactful. So he's a composite four-star guy. We'll see if he gets back to campus in the spring. I think while there are others who are maybe a little bit higher on the board, Williams is up there as well, and it's easy to see why. You know, another guy who's got that blend of size and speed. He's not as big as Peyton Lewis. He's more in the 5'10", 190 range, while Lewis is a little bit bigger height and weight-wise. But he runs powerfully, and that's something that the Penn State staff likes. And I like when you've got a, a running back prospect who understands you have to share the load sometimes. You might have a really good running back in that backfield with you. I mean, normally we can point to the IMG guys that Penn State assigned, Noah Kane, Katron Allen, sharing the backfield with a high-level power five running back. But you mentioned it, just the fact that you're not a junior and getting 30 carries a game. One, it's a good thing physically for you in the long run. But two, I think it puts you in a better mindset when you're in a collegiate running back room and you realize and you have to digest that as a freshman – eight carries is pretty good. And maybe as a sophomore, 14 carries is pretty good. By the time you're a junior or senior, if you're the bell cow, that's great. But there's some guys who are so used to just getting grinded to the ground at the high school level, freshman through senior year, where when they go from not getting the ball 30 times a game to watching a lot of football, it's an adjustment. I think that's a good point that you make and that he shared the backfield. Now, Lewis doesn't have a ranking and neither does the next guy. So we got couple four stars a three-star williams uh and then lewis is on rank that that's going to change soon we talked about the offers there and duke watson remains on rank so spring evaluation is going to be big at 24 7 sports these guys will have ratings and rankings uh watson has the offers and he's someone that you've been discussing for a long time considering he's a 2024 prospect out of the state of georgia you've repeatedly brought him up on penn state's radar yeah and he was someone that i wanted to get back to today because it looked like it was a sure thing that he was going to visit at some point in January, and it looked like Penn State was going to be really in a position to kind of close if it wanted to because they were high on his list. But then Colorado came calling with an offer, and it kind of changed the entire dynamic of his recruitment in a sense because he's very interested in looking at the Deion Sanders program. I know we've said that plenty since Prime took over out in Boulder. <laughs> Unbelievable how much you it, hear that. It, it yeah. is, man. You know, especially considering Watson's a guy from Georgia who, you know, isn't necessarily familiar with that region. That team won one game last year. That's why it's great. I know Deion Sanders is Deion Sanders, but it, you'd think that it was the mecca of college football when he talked to I know. He, he's involved in, like, every <laughs> – Colorado's on, like, every top five now. Right, and, right. And you'll see like these tweets. It's like, oh, we had offers from Alabama and Colorado, among others. When was Colorado ever mentioned? <laughs> when, when, when did that start happen? That's the prime effect, man. I, I can't hate on it. You got to respect it. And we'll see where it takes that program. But when it comes to Watson, he's looking really deep at what Sanders is building out there. And I'm not really sure what that means for Penn State because for him to not visit in January when it seemed like he was like dead set on doing that just because a Colorado offer came in. It's interesting. So we'll see where that goes. And the bottom line really is we talked about four other guys before Watson. Really, the facts are those guys are higher on the board. So we'll see what Watson decides to do. But Penn State's going to keep rolling along with its running back recruitment regardless of his plans. One more running back to discuss, but we're going to go down, uh, you know, down the path a bit, down that recruiting trail all the way to the 2026 cycle, oh, if you can believe it. Uh, because those offers are going out. If you follow our, our board at lines247.com, we've got a thread for 2026 offers. It is gaining some traction now. Quarterback offers going out and a running back offer going out at a familiar high school, which is part of the reason I wanted to mention it here, but also because you spoke with Savion Hitter out of Louisiana, uh, Louisiana, Louisa County High School in Mineral, Virginia. It sounds familiar. Four years ago, Penn State signed five-star linebacker prospect Brandon Smith out of Louisa County. He's now with the Carolina Panthers. So some familiarity with that program. And hitter, anytime you're offering an out-of-state running back who has played one high school season and you're the Penn State Nittany Lions, I want to know more about that young running back. What can you tell us after your conversation with him? 
you know, I was smiling for because when I was writing the article on him this morning, I I almost wrote Louisiana as well. So that's a fun, <laughs> that was a funny little mistake. But I mean, so hitter, he bursts onto the scene really as a true freshman. As a true freshman, he's afraid he's a freshman in high school, guys. There's no there's no red shirt. Did not get the red shirt. Yeah. So, but he bursts on the scene and he helps lead them to a district title. He runs for. 259 yards, I think it was. What was it say? 260 and five touchdowns in a district title game where they dropped 70 Shoot. points. So when you're doing that as a freshman, it's really only up from there as a prospect. And he's got the Penn State offer now. He's got Georgia. So any time, I mean, Penn State and Georgia, when it comes to running back recruiting, you know they're legit. So you got those, those two schools involved in your recruitment that early. It speaks to what your upside possibly can be. And he's already there physically. If you watch the film, I know he's a young guy, but he's already pretty advanced physically. He's going to keep growing. Another one who, yes, he's fast. Yes, he can make defenders miss in the open field. And, yes, he will burn you and get to the second level. But he'll put his shoulder down and run through you, too. You see some of that on tape as well. So pretty easy offer for Penn State, I would say. You know, I'm sure once they got that first look at his film, it was like, whoa, this kid's the real deal. We should probably get in with him now before everyone else comes calling. And – He's going to be on campus in March, middle of March. He doesn't have an exact date yet because he is working through finalizing his visit schedule. He mentioned, I believe, Georgia is in the running to get a visit as well. Not really much of a surprise there. But hitter, it's early. It's 2026. You know, I know we're not really going to be locked in on the 2026s for a while, and we will be before we know it. But he's going to be one of those guys who he's at the top of the board in his position now, and he probably will be for a really long time. Well, we appreciate it, Todd. We covered a lot of ground there all the way to 2026. So I think that's when you know it's time to wrap up the recruiting <laughs> conversation. Uh, good stuff. Uh, people can follow your coverage, of course, at Lions 24-7 all the time. We'll be back on this podcast soon, I am sure. And then, as we said, February turning to March next week. It means the recruiting calendar shifts, and we More got bad. a lot more going on. Um, so looking forward to your coverage, man. Looking forward to being back talking with you, man. All right. Take care. Good stuff from Tyler Calvaruzzo. I am Tyler Donahue. This has been the Lions 24-7 podcast. Again, our first episode this week. Encourage you to check that out. If you did miss it, we broke down our top takeaways from time spent inside the Lash Building with Penn State players last weekend uh, for a Thon event. Had conversations with a bunch of veteran players. Really got to put our finger on the pulse of this program in person for the first time since we were out in Pasadena following the Rose Bowl win. So some interesting conversation there with Daniel Gallon and Mark Brennan. Additionally, we had Nick Tarburton on our last episode, as I mentioned at the top of this podcast, a two-time starter uh, for Penn State, two-year starter, I should say, at defensive end, uh, wrapping up his career in the Rose Bowl, discussing what that meant to him and how he's preparing for the next phase of his career, trying to make that jump to the NFL. Been a fun week here at Lions 24-7 and here on the podcast for now. Stepping aside, I am Tyler Donahue, wishing you all a great few days ahead.